All right. How is everyone going? Average. Not good, pretty average, very well, good. What else was there? I didn't die. I'm nice and didn't warm. die, nice and warm. Yeah. Just, since last week when I was pre, where we looked at Psalm 100 and looked at God is good, um, some people in our family are trying really hard not to use the word good. How was, you know, how was your day? Oh, it was pretty standard. <laughs> how was your day? <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, yes. Hey, look, um, this, um, so last week, this week, and next week, we're not doing any series, all right? So um, I'm forcing myself to really just seek the Lord and just pray and just, you know, try and get a message for the church, okay? And so tonight's message is based on, I guess, uh, part of this reading that jo- Josh just gave um, from John 20. And particularly, I want to look at the phrase where Jesus says in verse 21, he says, um, if you've got your Bibles, have a look. John 20, verse 21. I've got the NIV tonight, so it's a little bit old-fashioned, maybe, for for many. But um, here it is. Jesus. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Now, I just want to have a look at that phrase there, because as I was reading and praying and looking at what the message was for this Sunday, that phrase just would not let me go. As the Father has sent me, says Jesus, so I'm sending you. Now, on surface level, I just kind of go, okay, that makes sense because the Father sent Jesus into the world. And so Jesus is just sending his disciples. But that little word as just wouldn't let me go. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. What does that mean to be sent by Jesus as he was sent by the Father? Ultimately, before we go any further, you need to know that you're not the saviour of the world. None of us are, right? None of us are the saviour of the world. I'm sorry to burst your bubbles. Only, Only one person's blood is enough to pay for all the sins of all eternity, right? Of all time, right? And that's the blood of Jesus Christ, right? So God, the Father, sent Jesus Christ to ultimately die on a cross for your sin and my sin so that we could be forgiven, right? That's the good news of the the Bible and Christianity. The The whole thing is that all about Jesus coming to take our place on a cross that we deserve for breaking God's laws, but he chose it so that you and I can be set free. He, I I owed a debt, I couldn't pay, and he paid a debt that he didn't know. And so we're set free, and that's the good news. So ultimately, the Father sent Jesus to do that. The Father isn't, Jesus isn't sending his disciples or you and I to do that. None of us need to go and suffer on a cross and pour out our blood for the redemption of mankind. That's just not what he's meaning. But what is he meaning? What is he meaning? Well, let's just just set the scene. Here's the disciples. There's only 10 of them. They're in a locked room. We were in a locked room, almost. (laughs) They're in a locked room, right? Jesus, this is Sunday. This is the Sunday that Jesus rose from the dead. 
right? So he's risen from the dead in the morning. He's emptied the tomb out and he's met with a lady called Mary in the garden. She thinks he's a gardener until he says her name. And then she goes, whoa, this is Jesus. And then he goes. And then he meets up with two other disciples that same day, probably closer to the afternoon. And they're on their way out of Jerusalem towards a place called Emmaus. And they're walking and talking, and they're really dis discouraged and a little bit depressed about all that's happened. They thought this Jesus who died on a cross was going to be the savior of the world, was going to you know, save them from uh, the Roman oppression. They thought he was going to be the next best thing, the Messiah, the very Messiah. And all of a sudden he dies on a cross and gets buried in a tomb, and that's it. And so they're really, they're talking to each other thinking, gee, I wish he was, what, what's going on? They're very confused. And then Jesus comes alongside them. They don't recognize it's Jesus. And he's listening into their conversation. And he says, what's, why are you guys so upset? And, and they said, well, haven't you heard about these things? What things, Jesus says. And then they go on to talk about the disappointment they share together because Jesus didn't measure up to their expectations of who Jesus should have been. And then later on, he stays with them, breaks bread with them, has something to eat. And then their eyes, the Bible says their eyes were opened and they recognized that there was Jesus. And then he went. He disappeared from them. And they said to each other, our hearts were burning. We should have listened to our hearts while we were talking to Jesus. Well, this guy, we should have listened to our hearts. Our hearts were burning. And Jesus disappeared. And then this is the next account. This is that night, Sunday night. The other disciples, 10 of them, minus Judas and Thomas, obviously, are in this room and it's locked. Why is it locked? Because they're scared. They're afraid of the Jews, right? Not the Jews that come from the sky when it's nighttime. J-E-W-S, not D-E-W-S. Plants love Jew, don't they? But the disciples are afraid of the Jews. So they find themselves locked in this room. And then it says, Jesus appeared. Now, if you're locked in a room and you're afraid that someone's out to get you, and then all of a sudden someone else is in the room, that's not helping with being afraid, right? You're probably more afraid than you were to start with. And so this Jesus came into the room, stood among them and said, Shalom, Shalom. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So they went from absolute fear to overjoyed. Not just joyful, just this is the word, this is like they're overjoyed. This is this is beyond their wildest dreams. Jesus, who they thought let that let them down, is alive. He somehow conquered death and rose again three days later. Amazing. And their whole attitude towards the Jews begins to change from this point. And Jesus begins to start to teach them something really special that will impact not just them, but their world. And it's in this locked room where they thought was a place of fear. 
place of hiding, God came and met them and he gave them a job to do. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Wow. How did the Father send Jesus? I just want to break it down into three things that I think I've done some research. I tried to find as many references where Jesus talks about why he came, right? So, for example, um, you might be able to throw some back at me. I don't know. Why did Jesus come? To seek and save the lost, okay? He came to seek and save the lost. Yep, that's a good one. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, right? Did he come for the righteous or sinners? sinners? He came for sinners. I mean, obviously, there's no one righteous, but there's a lot of people out there even today that think they are righteous people and able to get to heaven because they're good enough or more good than the bloke next door. Um, he came for the sick, not the healthy. Anyone else why he came? He came to destroy the works of the devil. John tells us in one of his letters. He came to give us life and that more abundantly. But ultimately, apart from all of those salvific, can I use that big word? Things to do with salvation, saving us from our sins and making us a place in heaven. Ultimately, Jesus, out of all the references I could see about what he said about himself and why he came, is that he came to actually reveal some things. He came to show us some things that obviously needed to be shown. Like for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. A lot of people out there don't believe that God loves the world. And if they do believe in God, um, look, okay, if they do believe in God or a God or something there, he tends to get the blame for when bad things happen in the weather. But when there's an awesome sunrise or a beautiful rainbow, you know, no one's blaming God in the newspapers. But Jesus came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal the Father. Uh, three things, three things that I boiled it down to, right? That Jesus, Jesus was sent by God to reveal identity, purpose, and destiny. All right, identity, purpose, and destiny. Okay, so first off, he came, he came to reveal God as a father. In church, I mean, who's grown up in church here? A lot of us, right? And so we kind of grow up with the concept of God as father. I remember going to an Anglican church when I was a kid, and one of the prayers is that, you know, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, all that, right? You know, the prayer, there's some nodding, it's good. We just think that's normal prayer. But when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he introduced this prayer to them. He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father, 
It's very, very new, very novel concept to actually call God Father. To have that relationship with him as a provider, as a, as a protector, as a life giver, as the one who um, wants to have a relationship with you. <laughs> Jesus introduced him as Father. And it's interesting too that at Jesus' baptism, in all gospel accounts of Jesus' baptism, we, we see Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, right? And a voice from heaven says, this is my son. Yeah, of who I'm well pleased or listen to him. So even the mountain transfiguration episode where Jesus takes three disciples up in the mountain and God's voice thunders down, that's what he says. This is my son. He brings in this, this, this relationship with God as father. Jesus revealed God as Father. I'm just going to um, go to uh, Jesus' prayer. We actually looked at Jesus' prayer a little bit earlier on. Um, he says in, in John 17, I pray for them, it's talking about his disciples, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. He talks about God as being his father and being at one, being one with him. Um, if you want to flick back in your Bibles to John chapter 5. Um, Jesus is saying some things uh, to, uh, in John chapter 5 about his father and how he was sent by his father, right? So... Verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer, talking to some uh, religious people. He said, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. That's an interesting phrase. That Jesus, whenever you see Jesus doing something, and in fact it says another part, what, uh, he, he says what the father says. Whenever you see Jesus doing something or saying something, that's what the Father would want to say or do. And somehow Jesus is seeing the Father doing and hearing the Father saying. And he's revealing to us what the Father really is like. He's not some kind of judgmental dude that's waiting to strike everyone with a, with a lightning bolt the moment they swear. Or the moment they say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or cut someone up in traffic or tell a lie. He's not waiting to hit someone with a lightning bolt. Not, I'm not condoning any of those practices, but he's not a father. That's not what a father does. A father seeks to, I mean, in terms of my own children, and you would probably know too, in your, sometimes fathers don't get it right. But ultimately, the father wants the best for you. 
All right, the Father wants the best for you, and 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 sometimes that changes in life. But ultimately, I remember when our, each one of them were born. The last thing I wanted to do was take their life. The last thing I wanted to do was blame them for pooping or drooling. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have ever, ever uh, sorry, eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He didn't send Jesus to condemn, but to save. Jesus came to reveal the heart of God as a father. Why? Because we're orphans without him. Adam and Eve sinned, right? You know the story. Bad story happened way back then. We can't change anything. But what it means is that we can't have a relationship with God perfectly because we're imperfect, because we are related to the human beings who decided to disobey God and, and, and disbelieve his promise for them. And so sin became present in that relationship and separated people from God. Still does. We, we live on a planet full of orphans that don't have a father, a spiritual father. We're separated because of sin. And that's why Jesus came, to reveal there's a father who wants to give life. Now, I'm going to say something that might be taken the wrong way, and I'll probably be booed down to the ground because I'm surrounded by the majority of women here, also mothers. But the mother doesn't bring life. The father brings life. Let me rephrase this. I'm no doctor, but Mothers produce, or females produce the egg, right? The female body produces the egg. If there's no fertilization from a father, the egg is discarded, right? The egg in, in, in itself is not life, right? But when the two combine, when the father sperm combines with the woman's egg, the two become one and there's life, right? I don't want to get too weird for the kids, but this is what happens. The, the, if there's no father involved, there's just a discarded egg. But it's the moment a father gets involved, there's, there's new life. I think this is really relevant because we live in a world right now that is, is forgetting or has forgotten the, the value of life. And a lot of people aren't getting the opportunity to experience that life because we've forgotten what life really is and where it begins. The mother, well, in, in my case, anyway, usually, the mother's the nurturer. Nurtures the lot. I mean, you've got, what, nine, ten months of carrying this baby inside of you. The, the father doesn't do that, and we know why, because there'll be a lot of complaining. But the mother, that's her job. It's God's design for the mother to nurture life. And it's God's design for the Father to bring life. And it's no accident that God's designed the whole universe and the way that human beings relate and, and reproduce. It's, not, it's no surprise that he's designed us that way, that the Father brings life and the mother nurtures life. Same with your relationship with God. 
you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour, the Father then gives you his Holy Spirit on the inside to nurture life until one day your body dies, but that life that's on the inside will be born into eternity, to use a euphemism or a metaphor, forever. The Father brings life. Jesus came, I believe, ultimately to show us exactly what God's like. He is, um, I've heard someone say once, Jesus is perfect theology. Theology means the study of God. Theo theos is Greek for God, and I guess ology is the study of. I don't know. And theology is the study of God. If you want to know what God is like and study who God is like and his character and his heart and what he, what he really values, then just look at Jesus and you can't go wrong, ever. So Jesus was sent to reveal the Father. Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. He didn't say, as God sent me, I'm sending you. This is a relationship thing. This is not a business. This is not, a, this is not like a... It's not like a mission of a of a of a business, an organization where we where we where we plan things and it's 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 a relationship that starts first off with God as our Father. He says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. That's interesting because there's two words here in Greek, which I didn't realize until I studied this. He says, as the Father apostolos me, I am pempoing you. So apostolos is the word we get apostle from, all right? So the apostle Paul, he was a sent one, all right? And so as, a, as he was a sent on a mission, he was commissioned like an ambassador from a, from a nation, goes to another nation to speak on behalf with authority to that nation, all right? So Jesus was sent like that, and that's what Jesus is saying. As the Father sent me with authority to deliver something, now I'm giving permission to you to do that too. He's permitting them to go. That's what he's basically saying. It's not a commandment. He's saying this is what's going to happen because you love me, because you have a relationship with me, because I'm your Lord and Savior. You're, I'm sending you in permission. I'm permitting you to send, uh, sorry, I'm permitting you to go with this, with this same mission to reveal the Father, to reveal him. Ultimately, Jesus reveals identity, purpose, and destiny, right? Identity is who am I? So Jesus revealed the identity of God to the world. But he also revealed to the world what real identity is in God. You don't have to look very far these days to find people trying to answer that question themselves. Who am I? Who am I? Am I a male? Am I a female? Am I, am I a dog? Am I a cat? Am I a boss? Am I a servant? Am I somewhere between a male and female? Can I change that? Um, am I a bikey? Am I a pastor? Am I a mum? Am I a dad? Am I? 
trying to find identity in different things, right? Identity in different things. Who am I? And Jesus came to reveal God's identity and real identity of a human being. In fact, Jesus perfectly demonstrated not only who God was, but what a human being is. Jesus was fully God and fully man, and he continues to be so. He is now in a resurrected, glorified state that you, that every person who has the opportunity to call him their Lord and Savior can be in and find that beautiful identity in him. Jesus said um, to some Pharisees one day uh, who were uh, putting, putting down kids, or the disciples as well that were putting down kids, and he, said, he talked about angels for each child. He said, there are angels in heaven, uh, watch over them. Jesus spoke about another time where he spoke about angels and how angels, uh, when we are in heaven, we'll be like the angels. We won't be getting married or being given in marriage. We'll have our perfect identity in him in heaven as a son and daughter, all right? To be called a son, to be called a daughter of the Most High God is the ultimate identity. Jesus came to reveal purpose, all right? Why am I here? That's a question people ask. Who am I and why am I here? Okay. We should be asking those questions a lot ourselves, actually. Who am I? What does God say about me? And why am I here? What, what purpose have I got? What's my purpose here on earth? And Jesus, he revealed the purpose of God, the purpose of God on this earth. He revealed the purpose of God to save the lost, to heal the sick. No one came to Jesus that was sent off. It wasn't like, you know, someone who was deaf came to Jesus and Jesus said to them, you know what, you should have been here yesterday because we were really, we were doing really good things healing deaf people yesterday, but unfortunately, it's just not working today. You know, you should have come, you should have come three weeks ago because the power of God was really moving, but now it's not. And, and we, we have a purpose. We have a, an identity in Christ. And our purpose and identity is to reveal the Father. Now, Jesus, when he healed people, he healed everyone that came to him. He, he, met every, he answered all the questions that people had when they came to him. He never sent anyone away. And he showed us what it meant to, to do that. I wonder, it's tough, but it's, it's tough. But, but that's, our, that's our challenge for us. That every single person that sees you, they're actually, you're, you're giving them a window into who you believe in, who you worship on a Sunday. Is he a God who actually wants to you know, save them? Is he a God who actually cares so much about them that he gave his only son? Is he a God who loves people so much that he wants you to pray for them? Would he want them to be prayed for? Jesus came to show us how to live, purpose. Why am I here? Why am I here? And destiny. 
You know, in this, in this room, we see the um, disciples. What are they doing first off in verse 19? They're... they're yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're together. They're together in one place. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're together in one place, but they're, they're hiding behind locked doors. They'll be together in one place again in Acts chapter 2. No locked doors. Holy Spirit turns up, changes the whole thing, right? God turns up here too in this room, in this locked room, in the person of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, the one who conquered death, the one who paid the price. He comes in. He bears the scars of what he did for them, right? But they're in this room before he gets there, before he gets there, they're in this room and, and they're afraid. They're in fear of the Jews. Why? Because they don't know who they are and they don't know why they're there. Or they've forgotten. They've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten their identity. They've forgotten their purpose. Jesus, I don't know how many times Jesus told them, you can do, you can do your own reading up on this, but you know, Jesus didn't just tell the disciples once, like the day before he was going to die on the cross. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be buried. And three days later, I'll rise again. It's more than once that Jesus told his disciples those facts. And yet still they didn't realize. They still didn't realize. Jesus gave them uh, so much time and ministry he invested into their lives and he actually sent them out on mission trips and they, they healed sick people. They raised dead people. They cast out demons. They cleansed lepers. They saw people, they saw, they saw actual demons leaving people's bodies at the name of Jesus, which just blows my mind. And they're here in this room afraid of guys with beards that walk around with robes thinking that they're in charge. They forgot who they were and why they were there. And so Jesus turns up to remind them, which I think is beautiful. And he starts off with this word, shalom. He says, peace be with you, right? It's shalom. And then he showed them the proof. And then they were overjoyed. They knew this was Jesus, conquered the grave, right? Again, he says to them, shalom. Now he knows that they're ready to receive the mission, right? He says, this is the mission. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Before anything happens, they need to receive the Holy Spirit. That's where our true identity comes. Our true purpose comes when we receive the Holy Spirit. All right. As a believer in Jesus, you're promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when he comes into your life, you find meaning and purpose in things that you never used to find meaning and purpose in. You have hunger to do things or say things or um, write things that you never really, or read things that you never really had hunger to do before that. But also, you realize that you have different abilities in different things. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts in different ways to help serve the church and grow the church. Each one of us, as we trust in him,
He gives us the ability and the boldness to live for him each and every day. He overflows from us. Sonia used the word conduit, conduit in her prayer. A conduit is, um, is like a, a pipe that doesn't hold things. It, it helps things to move from one place to another. And, and as, we, as we walk from here, as we go out into the world, we're like that. We're taking the, the identity of God the Father, the loving Father, the one who doesn't want to condemn, the one who saves through Jesus, the one who wants to see people come to know him. We're taking him with us, sharing his identity with the world around us and the purpose that he has for this world. One day it's going to fall apart. It's all going to disappear. But um, it's not just about identity and purpose. It's also about destiny. Jesus came to reveal destiny. He said to the disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Right? In John 14. Ultimately, this life is not all there is. The older I get, the more I realize that. I know there's a little bit of white in my hair. But the older I get, the more I realize that. It's not all there is. I used to think it was about earning enough money, saving up, buying what I wanted, enjoying life and, and being prosperous that way. But more and more, I've come to realize that, yeah, I can see, I can see wisdom in the room. No, it's not about that at all, Ian. Have a look, people, who the person is that's saying, no, it's not about that. Life is more than just what we can see and feel and taste and touch and earn money for or save money for. It's going to be more than that. Destiny. Jesus is the only one who reveals true destiny. He came to seek and save the lost. Not so they can have a better life and have better values and an awesome character in life so that people like them. No, because if they're lost, when they die, they're not going to get to heaven. They're going to hell. And so Jesus came so that the lost didn't have to go to hell because of sin. He paid the price so that just by believing, any single person can, can have the promise of heaven, a destiny of eternity. Who am I? Where am I? Uh, sorry, why am I here? And where am I going? are the three questions that Jesus perfectly answers for each one of us. And Jesus actually realized the more we read about him in his, in his life, he realized more about his own future. And he revealed that to his disciples as well. He brings, he, um, he brings that to light. Uh, and he promises us eternal life, which is the ultimate destiny. And Jesus here in this room, in this locked room with the disciples, he not only says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, be empowered yourselves with the heart of God. But he says, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And that's where we, Josh finished our reading today. Now, that could be taken the wrong way. Because if I don't like um, Shane that works at the mechanics, if I don't like him, I could just say, you're not forgiven. And if I like Debbie that works behind the counter at Coles, I could say, you're forgiven. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not giving the disciples the power to say who is forgiven and who isn't forgiven. He's giving them the opportunity, the permission to share the message that declares who is forgiven and who isn't forgiven. Because the fact is, you are forgiven and going to heaven, 
or you're not forgiven and you're going to hell. And the Bible's very clear on that. And Jesus was very clear on that. And somehow sinners who were going to hell loved to be around Jesus because he just was able to declare the truth, but also share that with grace and hope and dignity. And we live in a world that actually, yeah, they could do with some identity and they could do with some purpose. But friends, each one of our friends and family that don't know Jesus Christ have a destiny. And Jesus offers a destiny of life everlasting in heaven. He says to the disciples, if you forgive them their sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Where am I going? I remember someone saying to me once, if you died tonight, where would you be? If you died tonight, where would you be? Oh, I ask you that same question tonight too. And I'm going to be brave in, in saying that. I don't know where any of us, any of our hearts are. I can't read hearts. God reads hearts, right? But if you died tonight, where would you go? Like literally, the 3rd of July was on your tombstone. Where would you be the moment you slipped into eternity? Would it be eternity with the Father in heaven forever, with life? Or would it be in hell, away from the Father, away from life? Because ultimately, that's why we exist. We exist on this earth to declare who God is. And that's why Jesus came. He came full of grace and truth. I want to finish with just this little passage where it's an example of Jesus um, living out his identity, his purpose, and his destiny. And um, hopefully, each one of us will find an opportunity to live out those three things in our lives as well. It's in John 13. It's a familiar story. It's Jesus washing the disciples' feet. He's in the upper room. It's before the crucifixion, right? So Jesus doesn't have any scars on his hands. This is in verse 2 of, of John 13. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. You see that? Jesus knew who he was, why he was there, and where he was going. He understood his whole identity as a human being on this earth was to represent the Father. And the first thing that he does was pick up a towel and a bucket and start wiping men's feet clean. He was cleaning their feet, serving took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Wow. He understood who he was, why he was there, and where he was going, and he served. And that's what will happen when you and I understand those three things about us in Christ who we are, how much God loves us, 
and who, and where his he's our father and where our son where where his where his son where his daughter when we understand who we are we find that purpose to life to live for him and uh, ultimately there's that beautiful word destiny there's actually like a there's a reason for life and 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 when we get a grasp of that eternal perspective it shapes everything it changes the way we live you know like i said before if someone's got a terminal illness it shapes the way they live when they have this perspective perspective of eternity or or mortality and the, and and you know the breath brevity of life it changes the way we do things it it affects everything that you do every you know what you invest in financially or time or whatever so i want to encourage you guys tonight to 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 grasp hold of those three things in christ who you are you know he loves you so much he wants to be your lord your savior to guide you each and every day he wants to come into those locked spaces in your life where you're afraid he wants to come in and reveal himself and bless you and give you a job to do all right a purpose meaning and a destiny as well how about we pray heavenly father we thank you so much for your goodness to us we thank you that you chose us you chose us lord before the creation of the world you sent jesus to reveal exactly who you who you are what you like what you value what you say what you do lord you reveal it in jesus we thank you lord for jesus lord we thank you that you are lord jesus the name above every other name right now you're the king of kings you're the lord of lords but that didn't stop you from lowering yourself taking up a towel taking up a cross and serving us we thank you for that lord may we have that same identity and purpose not proud um, in our relationship with the king of kings but humble in our servant service towards the people that you love in our lives lord we pray for revival in our nation in our state in our town we pray for revival in our own hearts and that your Holy Spirit is free to move in and through us, Lord, as we reveal you to the people in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.